This is the Pirate Radio Podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. Jonathan Hellerby here with you today and have a special guest in the Pirate Radio studios, a huge East Carolina fan, now a author of a great book, My View from 20 Rows Up, One Pirate Fan Story of ECU Football. Let's welcome Carl Davis to the Pirate Radio Podcast. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, thank you, Jonathan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, let's get to know the author a little bit. I know you from uh, seeing you at East Carolina events and uh, family connections and so much. But uh, for folks that are listening, uh, Carl Davis is, as Jeff Charles writes in the forward, the super ECU fan. I, I can't think of many bigger ECU fans than you. Uh, but the, let's let's get a history of uh, Carl Davis and uh, how you became a super fan of ECU and ended up writing a book. Well, there's two parts of that. I think there's my early life, early childhood. I grew up in Hickory and uh, was a Lenore Ryan fan. Obviously, my family uh, was connected to Lenore Ryan, and and uh, we lived down the street from Lenore Ryan. We lived down the street from Stasevich, and uh, we came to Greenville for the very first time when I was eight years old to see Lenore Ryan play East Carolina College, and. And that's, I talk about that game in the book. Uh, it was a very controversial game. It was one of those games that uh, it was a Steve Logan moment where, uh, you know, you went for two at the end to win. And instead of what happened at West Virginia with Steve Logan, this Stasevich uh, with Lenore Ryan went for two and he was successful. And uh, there's controversy depending on which newspaper you read at the time, whether it was successful two point conversion or not. But uh, anyway, we went home happy. It, it, that's that's the story. So I followed uh, Lenore Ryan and I came to college here a few years, you know, after that, and. Um, I followed ECU football, obviously, as a college student. I was at the Marshall game here in 1970 and uh, moved to Raleigh and followed it sort of more at a distance. But then in the 90s, I think I really, my interest really uh, uh, improved or increased. And in the 90s, most people nowadays, they don't think of it this way, but in the 90s, if you wanted to see an East Carolina away game, you had to either get in a car or get on an airplane. Those were your two options because most of them were not on television. There was, there. I mean, they did have a little contract with ESPN. They did some Thursday night games in the 90s, but there really weren't very many TV games, away games. Uh, so... I just enjoyed it so much, and instead of reading about it uh, a day later or, or listening to it on the radio, uh, we got in a car, or we got on an airplane, and we went to the games. And starting in the late 90s all the way up until the pandemic, for 23 years, we only missed four games anywhere the Pirates played. Do you know the four games you missed? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what were the four? What were the four games and why? Okay, uh, we did not go to Hawaii because they met the Hawaii Bowl, the right. so-called Chris Johnson Bowl. So I, you get a I get a good pass on that. Okay, obviously. I do. And the only reason was they didn't announce that bowl game until very very late, and the and the airfares had gone up a thousand dollars a person uh, between the time they knew about it and when they finally announced it. Right. Okay, and then I missed Tulsa. And Cincinnati and one more. I don't know. They were all three in the same. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Temple. Temple. See, the story is my wife and I were in Philadelphia for the Temple game. 
on Halloween, the day before the game, she stepped off a treadmill in the hotel gym and broke her leg. So, needless to say, we came home and didn't go to the Temple game. This That was the awful Temple game, the first time we played with Matt Rule as the Temple oh, wow. coach. Yeah. And if you remember the story, we had the five fumbles or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And you know, it was an ugly, ugly game. Ugly day, ugly game. And I'm, if I got to miss a game, that's a prop, that's probably a good one to miss. Not a good weather day. Yeah, and then we, we, we lost later in the season. We lost to Tulsa, and we lost – or we, maybe we beat Tulsa and Cincinnati. Anyway, there were two more games that year that we – So it was, it was all due to your wife's breaking her leg. You missed right. three games in one season yeah. and then the Hawaii yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Which that's, is, that's it. That's it from 97 up until the pandemic. So when you were a student at, at East Coast, did you go to all the football games? And, and then like, because it wasn't until like the 90s where it clicked where you said, look, I'm, I'm going to start going to every game. Well, it, it when I was a student, I went to most games. I won't say I went to every game. Uh, and I also did some engineering for uh, the pirate uh, network, the, okay. the radio network at the time. And so I went to a few away games in that in that period of time, uh, but then in the eighties and eighties um, and the nineties, we came for some home games, not all of them, but we came for uh, a lot of home games. But we didn't go to any away games. Carl Davis, our special guest on the Pirate Radio podcast, "My View from Twenty Rows Up" is his book. It's available at uh, UBE, available at Amazon. You can get it. It's a re- I haven't read it cover to cover, but uh, it is a really good book. Of the parts I have read, you can go through and uh, read details about teams the Pirates have played, about Pirate people, all sorts of uh, great information. So for two decades, you only missed four games. You've traveled over a hundred and hundred ninety thousand miles yeah. during that time. So, uh, why did you write? Let's start. Why did you decide to write the book? A couple of reasons. Uh, number one, when I obviously didn't work with too many East Carolina folks, uh, so in my in my job, I'd go in on Monday morning, and somebody'd say, "Well, what'd you do this weekend?" Well, actually, I was in El Paso. Why were you in El Paso? I was in there for a football game, and uh, people would say that people would be kind of amazed that that we had gone. Cincinnati or we had gone to Syracuse or we had gone all these different places and and so the non-ECU people were kind of amazed that we were traveling for football like this uh, the ECU people uh, were all um, when we'd see them at a home game or maybe see them on the road or something uh, they'd say well you need to write a book or then I would get what was the best game what's the, the what's the best player you've ever seen who's the best coach who's the best this 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 and this so that's why I uh, I wrote the book when did uh, was at what point did you start journaling about some some of the ideas about in the book or was when, when did you decide hey look I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it well I think about Five or six years ago, I started putting things down and starting with a discussion of each team that we had played and my memories of those teams. And uh, I talked to a lot of my friends and said, hey, what did we do? You remember this? This and they would they would help jog my memory on some things. So I guess about five or six years ago and then uh, about a year and a half ago in the summer of 21, I uh, decided that I was going to retire at the end of 21. So I thought, well, that'd be a great time to pick up the book and start writing some more. So I opened the file up and I looked and it had been more than two years since I had touched it. So I didn't do anything until I retired. And in about February last of this past year, I started writing again. And then uh, 
then over the course of say February to about April or, or August, I wrote most of the book. Then I did not write go back on the part of the book that I had already written. I didn't go back and look at a word of that until I had finished what I thought was the book, and then I went back and redid that. And if you if you ever talk to anybody that's ever written a book, they're going to tell you that you spend more time editing the book than you ever do writing the book. And then, actually, when I first got my hands on a copy of the book in print was about December 19th or something like that. And I opened it up and I started reading it and I said, gosh, I wish I'd have said this differently. You know, so so it's 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 never finished. You're your biggest critic you are. at this point. And, <laughs> you are. And, and the book of what you wrote with the experiences and the amount of stuff that you did, I, I think you, 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 you have a lot of great information, a lot of history about East Carolina football in it, a lot of your experiences of, of going to different stadiums, playing different right. teams and stuff. But I mean, it, it could be you know, a million pages if you really wanted it to. But I, I think it's it's a, it's a real fun read. As I said, the table of contents, if you wanted to jump into it and be like, I want to read about the history of East Carolina and UNC, boom, you could go right to that page and, and jump in on it. Yeah, that that was intentional. Um, I think that um, when you when you write a book that uh, you're, maybe you're, you're your ideas, your thoughts about it, and what you're trying to say kind of change uh, in the process, especially if it if it's drawn out for so many years, and and I think that's what happened to me. My my thoughts changed a little bit as I as I went along, and uh, my experiences. I added this this year, by the way. Um, I mean, it actually ends at the end of the season. I mean, the very last game that would be mentioned uh, would be the uh, the uh, Houston game. So. Not we don't the bowl game's not in there, but but uh, uh, I I went back actually my editor she wasn't happy but I went I went back and uh, with with each game that we played and I you know if I said that we'd we'd won eleven and lost ten or whatever and I would change that number and maybe maybe talk a little bit about that particular game of this past season so it's 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 current up to up to before the bowl game. Carl Davis, our special guest on the Pirate Radio Podcast, his book, My View from 20 Rows Up. Uh, As anybody that knows that has followed East Carolina football, whether it's been one year, 10 years, or decades like you, there's been a lot of ups and downs, and I'm sure you saw the good, the bad, the ugly over your course of uh, following Pirate. Was there ever a time during your travels or that you were kind of like, this is crazy? Like, like, did did you ever think like, maybe what am I doing every weekend going all over the world to watch college football on ECU? Well, 2003 and 2004, I had, I had a lot of those feelings. uh, If if you know what I mean. And those were, those were not good years. Um, You know, when we, when we went to uh, – this is not in the book. When we went to Cincinnati to start the season, and I don't remember whether that was 2003 or 2004. It was one of those two years. We went to Cincinnati to start the season. Very first game. And uh, I don't remember who the wide receiver was. We were sitting down low, and and we looked – and they were – they kicked off to us, lined up on the 20, 25-yard line, and and the wide receiver is is on the end where I can see him. And he looks over at the ECU sidelines and goes, what's the play? <laughs> and this is the first offensive play 
of the season, not the first of a series or, or or whenever. This is the first offensive play of the season. The off the the wide receiver did not know what the play was. Yeah, it wasn't a walk on that was getting yeah. in in the fourth quarter. No. That didn't think he was going to play no, that day. No. You know, so so right then I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> right, absolutely. And we were. We lost like I don't know forty something or fifty something to something. I mean, it was you know it was a it was a beatdown. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of good stuff in the book. Um, um, I thought the the UNC chapter really kind of details a lot about uh, Dr. Leo Jenkins and uh, really the, the history between East Carolina playing UNC, but but a lot of it had to do, you know, and obviously the politics with, with NC State and UNC is is, is always a, a interesting dynamic. But uh, I, I had to refresh my memory on like the the bill that was introduced. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of fun facts and interesting history back backstories. Yeah, the the backstory is that. Uh, they, for obvious reasons, didn't want to play us, both both state and Carolina. And um, a senator from Pitt County, uh, with the help of a lot of other state senators, introduced a bill into the General Assembly. And, and I'll talk about that. And I started to put the bill in the – I have a copy of the bill. I, I mean, I started to put it in the appendix in the book, but I just – it was another however many pages. I just left it out. But um, he strong-armed them and uh, with a threat and and the bill was very um uh it made a lot of sense and he enlisted a lot of uh state senators from western north carolina as well as eastern north carolina from the simple fact that it made more sense economically for the state of north carolina for unc or nc state to play east carolina than to play ucf cincinnati UConn, whoever, name it, uh, because then the money stayed inside the state. Even if there wasn't a home and home, you're going to draw more people. Yeah, I mean, the biggest crowds ever in Carter Finley Stadium have been when we played when sure. when State played East Carolina. I mean, they can talk about it ain't a rivalry, but the facts you had that in the book too. <laughs> the, the fa- exactly, the facts are the facts, and uh, and and this Senator Warren, he he pretty much outlined the fact that. Let's keep the money in North Carolina, and there was only it was came up three votes short before he ended up, or he needed oh, three more votes he before only, he before only, he pulled the bill. I I yeah, read that part and I'd, yeah. I'd either forgotten or didn't really yeah, how the, close it was to almost bill, being a law. The the bill never got to a vote, okay, but with all the sponsors he had, he only needed three more three more votes to. Uh, to, to, to for it to pass he I mean all he had however many sponsors you needed I mean that so I mean all he had to do was pick off three more from Western North Carolina or, or from around here or somewhere and boom he you know, he was done I mean it it was rolling in that direction when uh, state and Carolina started negotiating with with ECU. The book's full of great uh, details. All the teams uh, that, that East Carolina's played over the last three to four decades, I guess. Uh, UNC, NC State, the, the I, fast fact that I picked up in the NC State section, four coaches have been fired due to the East Carolina NC State series. Two, uh, two of each. Two of each. Can you name them? If not, uh, pick up the book and you can find out who. I think you probably know there's a couple obvious answers, but there was the one that really kind of stumped me Yeah, was uh, one of the NC State guys. But uh, is there a favorite uh, part that surprised you when you were writing in the book about, about a team when you started reflecting upon it? 
Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, I wrote the book for two reasons or for two audiences. And I think uh, whether it's radio, television, uh, writing, whatever it is, you, you sort of have to decide who your audience is. And I have two audiences. I have uh, people my age and, and a little younger who this book's going to bring back memories, uh, whether it's state and Carolina or whoever it is. It's going to definitely bring back memories. But the other audience is people who are much younger and people who maybe are not ECU people who don't know much about our program and whatever. I mean, everybody thinks they go over to over to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and they think we got we've always had fifty thousand seats in there. And we've always had big crowds there, and we've always gone to places that have had you know we've, that have had huge crowds. And and I'm, I wrote the book a lot to to explain that you know we've come a long way. And honestly, our our rivals or our the teams we play. They've come a long way. Let me tell you, Houston has come a long way. Cincinnati has come a long way. A lot of these schools have come from – they were way, way, way below us, and now they have managed to – I think even when you when you think about and, – and, and I say Miami, but, I mean, they've won five national titles. But, I mean, they were once an independent and then right. they joined the Big East. But, I mean, it's just in Virginia Tech. I mean, it's – Same thing. Yeah. It, it, it's not like – even Florida State. I mean, yep. they weren't – I mean, they were Florida State, but at some point in the 80s, I mean, yep. they, weren't, they weren't the name brand that you really thought. Because yeah. – and then obviously the explosion of television television and everything else has made those Florida schools really big as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of these a lot of these schools uh, had had no on campus support. That's another thing I try to talk about, and I hope I, I hope I was clear on that. A lot of these schools that have off campus stadiums or have uh, they have no fan support. I mean, no real true fan support to the extent that we do. I mean, can you imagine? Let's go back to uh, 2021 when. Uh, um, no, let's go back to this year. Let's go back to this year, and when we played at Cincinnati, right? And I think the announced attendance it was less than 40. I think it was 38 or 39 thousand or whatever it was. Now, if ECU had been one of the of the final four in in 2021. In 2022, do you not think we would put more, for every game, put more than 30-something thousand people, okay? And Cincinnati is a much larger city than Greenville, North Carolina. So even in spite of all their success and all the things that have happened to Cincinnati, which mostly have been good, they they can't put 40,000 people in there for the last game of the year. Yeah, the one thing, as you, as a, a real pirate historian, Carl Davis, our special guest on the Pirate Radio podcast, his book, My View from uh, 20 Rows Up, if you think about the history of East Carolina, of where they went from independent to really Conference U, if you think about it, they joined Conference USA in 1997, which right. is not that long ago. No. It's not, I mean, recent history. No. But uh, when you look at East Carolina and as a historian, it's like, it's always the carrot was always moving in front of East Carolina. It was like, you know, build a bigger stadium, yeah. have a more attendance. The Big and East. It, the, the, there was, but then it was yeah. always, we were always just right there then always just on the yeah. outside. I yeah. mean, it's, what, what do you think East Carolina's biggest misses were or missed opportunities were to maybe take the trajectory that Virginia Tech took? Big East, Big East, Big East. I mean, that's the thing that, that's the thing, that's the thing that separated uh, us from Miami from Virginia Tech, I think that's that's the point at that point, and then we we still you know, 
almost kept up. But then you had schools that jumped to the Big East before we did in a couple of years, like like Houston, for example. They got a little bit of a head start. But still, when we were in Conference USA with Houston, and I and I tell this story in the book, and I think it's I think it's uh, uh, I think it says it says volume it speaks volumes about about the 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 ratio of where we were versus where Houston was. We went to Houston the very first time, and I don't remember which year, late 90s, and I'm driving around on campus, and I'm looking for the football stadium. Now, I've, I figure that I can find a football stadium on a college campus, right, on a game day. Now, I can either follow the crowd, right, or I can see the signs or see the stadium lights or something. I figure I can find, you know, this is not that big a campus. I can find a stadium. Well, I was wrong. Didn't find any fans going that way. Didn't see any signs. Didn't see lights. I'm just roaming around this campus. So finally, I pull over in front of the, the student center there at the University of Houston. Two co-eds walking along. I roll the window down. And I said, excuse me, ladies. Can you tell me where the football stadium is? <laughs> they look at each other. And they weren't kidding me. They said, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have any idea. Right. Now, if my car had had a sunroof, I could have seen the stadium lights. I was within two, two, two or three blocks from the stadium. And that's the interest level at the University of Houston. We, um, uh, we found the stadium, fortunately, and there were fewer than 300 Houston students at the game that day when the game started. Way fewer than that when the game ended. So, you know, you've got a huge public university in the fourth largest metropolitan area in the country and they can't put but 300 students in in the, in the stands yeah i mean it's it's just kind of tough. i mean college athletics has uh has, it's, it's always it's, that's i think been the puzzling thing for east carolina fans and you you lived it because you would you would be in the uab crowds yeah that were that were like <laughs> that you could see more aluminum than you could people i mean is there any other things that surprised you in your travels of uh, going to see other teams play in their venues well i think one thing that uh i touched on a minute ago uh, is the difference between us uh, a school that has an on-campus stadium versus one that uh, that's playing in somebody else's stadium, whether it's uh, USF, whether it's Temple, uh, whether it was UAB in that uh, in that Legion Field situation. I think that that's a really telling story uh, with when you have um, you have somebody playing in somebody else's stadium and it's not really their stadium and and you can you can just feel it and th- there's just not not a lot of school spirit there so when you go to you go to places on campus though even with smaller stadiums and and an active fan base then i mean it's it's a whole different experience yeah you, you know college football is a is an experience. I mean, it's the band, it's the tailgating, it's the food, and, and whatever. I mean, it's just it's the whole thing. And uh, when when you go to uh, 
stadium in when you go to legion field or whatever and the right. or even the even the bucks stadium where usf plays it's a first class facility but oh, it's beautiful yeah but the experience and the atmosphere of it at least when especially when east carolina's probably always played there they've had their moments where they've had yes. some, some good crowds yeah. and some fun moments but just those are few and far between they are they are and then and one thing i like to touch on too is that usf is a great example of kind of the upstart programs uh they started out in a you know in a trailer and they started out their first team meeting was under a tree and 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 they've they've come along but i don't think they've come along quite to the extent that they should have or i think they missed a lot of their potential especially in a, in a market like tampa but you also have to consider in a, in a market like Tampa that you got the Rays there and the Buccaneers there and the Lightning there so you got three pro sports teams there and that and a lot of water with boats yes and beaches yeah. that, that I think that my friends I know a few friends that live in that area and they're like even the Bucks, like oh, when, yeah. when they're not good, I mean, it's easier to get on your boat <laughs> yeah. on an 80 degree day in yeah. October. Yeah, I I, I agree and, and and I think that's you look at some of these other markets and some of these other teams, and it's hard for them to get traction with uh, with all that competition. And and frankly, we we're we're fortunate here. We don't have that level of competition. We don't have to compete against professional sports, really. I mean, the Hurricanes. I mean, maybe a little, but not, not much. No, the, no, no. East, East Carolina always said East Carolina needs to be. You know, fun where the tailgating's awesome, and you see your friends and family. Right. And uh, East Carolina's relevant. When they scan your ticket, you got to think one percent or a hundred percent that East Carolina's going to win that day. Yeah. And I think when you reference the 0304 years, and maybe some during the Coach Mo years, there were times when the tailgating wasn't very much fun. And when they scan your ticket, there you might have said zero percent chance that, that East Carolina was yeah, not going to. You were buying. You were buying a lottery ticket. Okay. You were yeah. buying the three hundred million to one. Odds. Yes. You, you were just hoping to generate. Some, yeah. some old memories, yeah. but uh, you traveled so much uh, over your time. Uh, the, the one thing, I, and I know you could have filled it up with a lot more, favorite food that you had or, or over the course of your, your, your travels? Uh, you went to a lot of great cities or great college towns that probably had, you probably had to enjoy some food along the way. Well, I mean, we went to all of the, all of the spots that everybody recommends and they're high you know we went to dreamland and and uh we've been to rendezvous and uh, you know all those kind of places in all those college towns and all those places um i don't think any of the food ever really um ever really stood out i don't think there was anything that was um uh, particularly you know noteworthy i mean more than i mean a lot of these places that are supposedly so famous rendezvous dreamland mm-hmm. so sure. forth. those places are uh, usually highly overrated in, in, my, in my opinion i got you but i mean there's i mean like i guess my favorite my favorite on the road meal um is in memphis but not dreamland there's a place called the blues city cafe it's on beale street on the corner there and uh the ribs are just absolutely the best I've ever had anywhere. So I highly recommend Blue City Cafe. Someone, we were sitting in the window there at a table in the window, and um, someone, an ECU person, came in and said, uh, uh, "Are you eating in here?" Because it looked like they'd had a fire behind the behind the oh, wow. grill. I mean, it was just you know, it was it was pretty uh, questionable, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But uh, it, it's a great place. I mean, I, and I, I guess I'd say that's that's probably my favorite. 
you got a lot of good stuff in your book. You can read a lot about the best. People will recognize a lot of the names. As we, met, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, Jeff Charles wrote the foreword. Um, you got a lot of other. If you've been around East Carolina anytime, you, you've heard of big guy. He's mentioned in the book has a has a chapter. There, there's lots of good stuff. Is there? You kept it really positive. Is there any? And, and maybe in some of the other chapters, I got to get to. Is there any places like the the worst places Carl Davis went to that that you went to maybe multiple times because the Pirates were playing there? Well. Uh, you kind of get you kind of get tired of some of these places if you if you've been or if you go every other year. I mean, how many times have we been to Memphis? How many times have we been to Birmingham? Uh, I mean, some of those have got to be a little a little old. I mean, but if you find a place you like there, like Blue City or something, then you go back there. I mean, it's kind of fun. So, um, it wasn't any place that really that was really a turnoff. Um, I think. Uh, one thing that people ask always is about the who are the best fans we've ever faced, and I don't mean the the rowdiest or the nastiest. I mean the best. And and I talked about Southern Miss and Southern Miss people people I think they get a bad rap. Uh, we've been playing them. We've played Southern Miss more than we've played any other school. Period. We, have, we there's nobody else we played more than we played Southern Miss. And those folks. When you walk through their tailgate lot and you're wearing a purple shirt, those folks will say, come on over here and have some chicken. How about having a drink with us? Okay. And they want to talk about football and they want to talk about East Carolina football. They know more about East Carolina than the average East Carolina fan. Well, wow. it's amazing. And and they cheer hard for their team. And they're, but they're, they're loyal, wonderful folks at Southern Miss. The university has shared some of the same you know, quote unquote, directional school issues that that we share, but they really, really uh, are great folks. The town's half the size of Greenville, and uh, but it's you know it's dominated obviously by the university. And I have a couple of Southern Miss stories in the book that I think are kind of they're kind of interesting. Now, my next question might might be the same answer: Is Southern Miss the most the team that you've seen the most play East Carolina? Do you do you know that? I mean, because Gosh, they, I, I they, never have tried to figure out the team I've seen the most. You should try to figure out the team you've seen the most and what your record was over that streak well, with the football team. You know, we saw Southern Miss every year for yeah. uh, all the Conference USA years. And we started playing Southern Miss in 1951. And we played them quite a few times before the Conference USA days. And uh, so, I, you know, I probably haven't seen them the most. Um, I don't really know who I've, what team I've seen us play the most. Uh, it's probably... Eh, I don't know. It's, I, 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 I'm going to research that. There you go. That, that gives you a project to go. Your yeah. book, Carl Davis, My View from 20 Rows Up, you did a great job chronicling so much uh, East Carolina history through your eyes. Uh, hadn't really talked about, I mean, obviously you went on all these great road games, but you obviously spent a lot of time at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. What What is your opinion as you've seen Dowdy Ficklin Stadium change over the course of your uh being a fan of East Carolina, well, it's it's marvelous. I mean, we've we've come so so far. I mean, it's just uh, from. I mean, realize that the first game I came to when I was a child was at College Field or College Stadium over there on Tenth Street. I mean, before Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. So I mean, we've come we've come a long, long way. When people say that that the stadium was actually was it behind the Brewster building? It, it was kind of. I think it was kind of where Brewster is. Okay, it was right on that whole that whole property right there on 10th street okay um but i have a funny story about the the cover of the book um 
my my uh, graphics person, she said, send me some pictures. And, of course, you know, I've got thousands of ECU pictures. I mean, I've taken pictures, certainly a lot more now with, with, with you know, with cell phone cameras. But uh, I've got a lot of pictures. And so I sat down one day, and I just click, 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 click. And I'd see one I liked, and I'd save that. Click, 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 click. Oop, like that one. Okay. So I, I saved a bunch of pictures. I probably had you know, a hundred or so. And then I narrowed that down to about a dozen. And I sent those pictures to my graphics lady. And I said, why don't you do something with, you know, so she sent me back essentially the cover that you see here. Mm -hmm. And I sent that picture to two of my close friends. This is several weeks before the book came out. I sent that picture and one of them immediately sends me a text back, said, boy, that was great. I'm glad you picked the West Virginia game. And I went, I had no idea, okay? I only picked it because it was pretty. It was a nice picture for a cover. It had nothing to do with what the game was. I didn't even know it was the West Virginia game. I jumped up and I ran to my computer and went through there. And sure enough, this was the West Virginia game from 2006. This, in my opinion, is the best defensive game East Carolina has ever played in in 90-plus years of football. And probably, in many ways, the best ECU victory in Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's definitely in the moments I can remember from ECU football, and I think you chronicle the Miami win in Raleigh, but yeah, uh, I do. That, yeah. that game against uh, West Virginia where East Carolina took Pat White and was just dominant and uh, was not expected to win, but uh, really flipped the script and just was took a, a highly ranked West Virginia team and just uh, number eight. Yeah, just I mean, just dominated them. Yeah, I, I've never yeah. seen anything like it, and uh, that yeah. is cool. I didn't I didn't recognize that that was West Virginia <laughs> over there too. And also the cover of your book doesn't have the Pirate State of Mind logo. No, I know it's, it's, you know, so it's yeah, got, that's how yeah. back to two thousand six, exactly. which is not too yeah. far ago yeah. either. Yeah, yeah, and actually. Uh, Skip Holtz is down in the lower right-hand corner. <laughs> okay, there yeah, I see him with his, with his arms up there. Yeah. Uh, when, when we look, uh, you've done it, as I said, when we look at the book and then now present day and you see the future for East Carolina football, what would the sequel to this book be like 10 years from now? What do you think the next 10 years is going to be like for ECU football? Well, that's hard to tell. Uh, I will say this, uh, and, and I've and you probably know my, my history. I've, I've served on a lot of committees here. I've, I've been the chair of the Alumni Association and chair of the Board of Visitors. And I've served on some search committees in athletics and some other parts of the university. Uh, and one of the things that I've asked folks who've served in administrations is to uh, – that I think the most important thing in athletic administration is not hiring coaches – it's not making sure players graduate. It's not it's facilities. It's scheduling. Okay. Do our fans want to see us play State and Carolina, or do they want to see us play Campbell and Gardner Whip? That's the whole point. And I think that if if we're going to be if our trajectory is going to be like most East Carolina fans want it to be, then we got to play teams that people want to see. And the people in in it, the East Carolina people I know want to see State. They want to see Carolina. They want to see Wake Forest. They'd like to see Duke. They'd like to see Virginia Tech again, maybe Virginia, South Carolina. Those are the schools they want to see us play outside of our conference. Is that possible in this today's world? 
Well, Senate Bill so and so, the Carl Davis bill <laughs> up in uh, Raleigh to get these teams to yeah, play. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think it has to do with uh, establishing relationships. I mean, I think everything in the in in business or in athletics is all about relationships, and I think establishing relationships and making it making it where uh, for all those teams I mentioned making it worth their while in other words making it where it's a win for them as well as a win for us and I mean financial win so he's Carl Davis uh, his new book My View from 20 Rows Up available on Amazon available at uh, UBE for you to uh, pick up and uh, Carl you, you wrote this book and uh, you're giving all the proceeds away to, yeah, I, to East Carolina yeah, so. I do I do want to mention that um, the, the the idea was that uh, my wife and I established a scholarship an access scholarship which for those who don't know access means it's for people who can't afford to come to college and uh, when I was on the uh, board of Visitors, we, we established some access scholarships that we fund, that the Board of Visitors funds. And I was very touched by the people who had been recipients there who told the story about not being able to come to school uh, but without that scholarship. So we established a scholarship, and so 100% of the proceeds from this book is gonna, are going to go to the access scholarship. We've raised about, I think right now, probably 6000 or so. Wow, that's very uh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pleased. I had no. I had no expectation on how. And you go. published the book yourself. Yes. So, yes. So, so. So the more I sell, the more I lose. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, you're 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 a writer. You're a giver. You're a pirate. You you got a lot of titles there. And the, and the way we we talked to her about talked about her a little bit. She she when she broke her leg. But the real pirate hero of oh, this yeah. is your is your wife Martha. Yeah. Who who was your travel partner in yes. crime on all these yes. trips? Yeah. She unfortunately had to travel with me on most of those trips. Yeah. Uh, so she suffered through the cold and the bad food. And the and the air, bad airplanes and the long car rides and all of that sort of stuff. So she's uh, I, I refer to her in the book as the long suffering Martha Davis. So. <laughs> she she deserves a purple heart if there was such she, a case. She purple does. pirate heart for she, what for what you have. Uh, but she like I mean I know so there was time she was probably not as engaged and excited as you were. But, oh, uh, well, but, yeah. There's not a lot of excitement about going to El Paso or whatever. <laughs> but I have to say, I did uh, one concession that I made, and it really wasn't a concession. We turned a lot of these trips uh, into mini vacations, if you want to, for whatever other term you want to use. Like, for example, one year, the first year we played BYU, which I don't know what that's been about yeah, that's been six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh we we flew to uh, SMU. We flew to Dallas, and um, we spent uh, the weekend there and went to the SM the, the, the football game, and then we flew on Sunday to Provo, Utah, or to, to Salt Lake, and rented a car, and then for the whole week we rode around that part of the world. We went to Yellowstone, went to West Yellowstone, saw the park and the geysers, and you know went to Grand Teton, and then came back to Salt Lake a day or two before the game and then went to the went to the uh, the BYU game. So we we turned that the Dallas and Provo trip into a into a nice vacation. Been Memphis. able to see a lot a lot of parts of the country yeah, and... that you wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah, I mean when you go to if you go to El Paso, take a couple of days and go to White Sands and then go to Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. We we did that. I mean there's a lot of things you can do and 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 if you've never been to some of these cities like Dallas, for example, uh, we did the first year that um, that the, the Jerry Jones Stadium right. was built. Yep. Jerry uh, World, Jerry World. We, we went there for a tour. Uh, 
we um, my wife said by the way when we went in the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, locker room and saw it or whatever and it's very it's very plain I mean it's stark I mean it's just it's blue with the with the star and the maybe a star on the carpet or whatever she says she said East Carolina's got a much nicer <laughs> locker room <laughs> wow. the stories from now the pandemic ended your traveling yeah I mean we couldn't uh, we had moved by then we had moved to Greenville right um, but. Uh, the pandemic showed up and home games first off uh the first home game we couldn't go because it was only uh family and then we we went to all the rest of the home games but but traveling was just i mean it was so where does it stand now are you uh like you you went for so long are you interested in getting back on the road now Uh, that the pandemic's kind of eased off going uh, into 2023 2024 we didn't we didn't in um in 21 or 22 so i don't know what we're going to do this year uh we haven't been uh, uh to, to many away games we might go to app or something i i don't know we're just kind of up and we're kind of up in the air about it i'm not sure uh that we want to do it and make that commitment again i mean we were right. we were yes road warriors yeah and we i had mean, a great run yeah i mean as soon as the as soon as the schedule came out we made our made our airline reservations and 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 hotels and and did all of that sort of stuff well, you can learn a lot if you uh, pick up Carl's book, My View, from uh, 20 Rows Up, One Pirates Fan Story of ECU Football. It's a great book. You can pick it up. And, I mean, you can read a chapter in a matter of minutes and learn a lot about uh, East Carolina athletics. Uh, is there anything else you want uh, the Pirate Nation to know about your book? No, I just hope people will buy it and know that the, that the 20 bucks is going to go to a— you know, go to a scholarship, and uh, if they want to, if they want to punish me, then uh, they can. Because the more they, you know, the more I sell, and more I lose. So, you know, it's not not a bad. <laughs> the story of a pirate. I wasn't a business major, so I, you know, so right. I, I didn't know that this was the wrong business model. But, uh, but no, and I hope people will enjoy it. I mean, I had a lot of fun uh, with all these experiences, and. Uh, and and I mean there there were there were strange things too. I mean not just the the things that you think about uh, the uh, this, the incident that in Cincinnati with um, uh, Hamlin and the the heart the heart attack or the his heart stoppage oh, in the yeah. middle of the field. I mean we lived through exactly the same thing with a referee who fell over on the floor or on the on the field on the, on the car on the carpet in Syracuse in the carrier dome. Oh wow. I mean the exact same thing. I mean it it wasn't from from trauma, it was just a heart attack and he ha- it happened on the ECU sidelines right in front of Steve Logan. Just the guy went over boom and Logan starts motioning motioning wildly and um they come over and there's almost 40,000 people in the carrier dome and the place fell silent. Okay? And they they're over there, and when they put the paddles on the guy, and the, and his body jerks, as as people, yeah. people know, uh, there was this groan, this quite kind of a low groan that went through the whole the whole stadium, and then it was silent again. You know, and every time they hit him, you know, the same same kind of reaction. But I mean, it was like it was surreal, and uh, I'm, you never experience anything like that. I mean, you, you have to see that. Right, um, you know, because obviously it wasn't shown on television. No, absolutely not. And uh, and the guy lived, by the way. He yeah. survived. That's you know? good. He survived. That's great. He was a Conference USA official, and he came the next year to a Syracuse game, and they, you know, that's cool. They, yeah. So, you know, but the, you have those kind of experiences. If you go to enough games, you're bound to see something, you know, 
and unusual. That, and that's what life's all about. Yeah. I think in today's world, sometimes people get so busy uh, looking at their screen on their phone and not not enjoying the experiences of, I try to do that to my best ability when I'm at a particular sporting event, if I'm not working for Pirate Radio, having to shoot some video or pictures, is to try to sit there and enjoy the experience of it. And because you can see so much and experience so much well, more at a sporting event. And like I said uh, early on, that you know the reason I guess we got really into this was going to away games because you couldn't see them on television. Sure. They, they weren't they weren't available. No stream, no ESPN Plus, none of that. And and then you got into the enjoying the atmosphere of the game and getting to meet the parents, getting to meet the coaches, getting to meet the opposing fans, some of whom were really, really nice folks. And and that's part of the experience. I mean, that's 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 the whole thing with college football. And I think college basketball and baseball, same way. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Relationships and experiences. My view from 20 rows up. Get yours today at ubeamazon.com. Uh, Carl, thanks for being with us on the Pirate Radio Podcast. Hope you sell a ton of books and you set a record <laughs> for that scholarship of folks that uh, need uh, help to go to East Carolina. Thanks, Jonathan. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.